Hello, everybody, and welcome on into Cat's Cradle, your Northwestern lacrosse podcast. You may notice that I am not Tim Hackett. I am Parker Johnson, now in charge of this podcast as one of WNUR's new podcast directors. And today with me on the show, we have Andrew Bowen and Noah Coffin. Welcome, guys. Been a while since we've had a lacrosse podcast, so there's a lot to talk about today. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here uh, after a weekend of covering a non-sport baseball. It's good to be back home and you know cover, covering lacrosse. My real, my one true passion. I promised myself this season I would really get into lacrosse, and you know this team has been having a good year so far. I'm sure we'll cover that more a little bit later in the podcast. But it's been fun to watch this team all season. Yeah, I mean they've really developed across the course of the season, which has been great. You mentioned. You know, ever since they started winning, we kind of haven't had a podcast or started more consistently winning. You know, started off the season five and three, and now we we got, we got four wins in a row uh, right here to talk about. So it really seems like this team is hitting their stride with some wins against some real quality opponents. Uh, that's just great to see. Yeah, we hope that you all had a great spring break, Easter, whatever you may have been doing over the break while we didn't have any podcasts to get out. But one thing we know for sure, regardless of how your spring break went, the Cats had a great spring break. They are riding a four-game win streak right now. The last three coming against ranked opponents. Those games were against Michigan, Syracuse, Johns Hopkins, and Penn. A couple of close ones, a couple of not-so-close ones. Guys, let's talk about these four wins to start the show here. And at the top of it, the first one, and this was back almost two weeks ago now, they beat Michigan 16-7. Good to get off in Big Ten play with a win, although I... Perhaps not a whole lot to say here, as this was a pretty expected victory for Northwestern. I do have a little bit to say, just because I, I did call this one for WNUR, so I, I kind of got a little bit more of an in-depth look. I mean, 16-7 win against an opponent that's not that quality, that lost pretty heavily to Colorado, to Stony Brook. It doesn't say that much. What I did say, I think, was what kind of followed in these next three games became sort of a trend for Northwestern, and that's that increased defensive... Uh, I don't want to say effort, but that increased level uh, defensively. You know, letting up seven goals against a, a real good opponent in Michigan, and three of those goals came in garbage time. So the first four, I believe, were in 45 minutes. 45 minutes play, only allowing three, four goals uh, was very good for a Northwestern team that had struggled, you know. 15 goals led up to Stony Brook. I mean, that's a great offense, of course, but 15 goals is a lot of goals. He let 13 up to North Carolina, or 18 up 18, to North Carolina, I yeah. should say. Yeah, we scored 13. Um, and it's just... You know, the defense seemed like it was a little bit shakier, kind of on the edge of maybe falling off a little bit, but that kind of re-upped effort against a little bit of a weaker squad in Michigan, the Cats really put the pressure on Michigan, who has a couple of pretty good goal scorers, but just pressed them out to the outside. Michigan, like, had possessions where they never got into the fan for the entire 90-second shot clock, which is just pretty insane. Uh, and, yeah, just the pressure defense, I think, was is what's kind of kick-started this four-game winning streak. Really starts with the goalkeeping as well, and I mean Julie Krupnik really has stepped well into that role this year. The redshirt freshman, um, you know, coming into this year, everybody kind of expected Mallory Weiss to be the starter, but Krupnik has earned that role, and she's done a good job with it. And you know that continued in this game against Michigan, obviously against some of those bigger opponents, Stony Brook, UNC. They're gonna put up numbers against you, but Northwestern came out and didn't play to Michigan's level. Um, you know, we know Michigan. They do have some goal scores. They are a good team overall, but Northwestern is a better team than them on paper, and they didn't play to their level coming out of the gate in that game. Really good to see them come out and, you know, for lack of a better term, beating a team than they're better by. They're, eh, I, I can't speak English today. Beating a team than they're better. They, they beat a team than they are better than. Yes. Yes, I, okay, I could, okay I, could, 
I, I can't speak right now. I'm sorry right. to everybody right. at home. I'm a little bit rusty, still uh, still shaking off the rust from the Maryland we can, trip. We can edit that out as well. <laughs> it's okay. I will keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, why not? Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, a, a, a game against Michigan that, you know, it's hard to draw too much conclusions from as, as a game that Northwestern definitely should be winning. However, I mean, last year when they went to Ann Arbor, it was a much closer affair. And, uh, you know, part of that is playing on the road and whatnot. But still... Good to see Northwestern get back on track. This was the first game after that loss to North Carolina and started off this four-game win streak, which then continued against number 11 Syracuse. That was last weekend, um, or pardon me, two weekends ago. Beat Syracuse 14-10, and the Cats were down early in this one, went on a 10-2 run, and then pretty much didn't look back in this game. And this is a team, well, you talked about the improvement from last season in terms of last season they struggled against a, a very similar, pretty, still pretty young Michigan team. Last year against Syracuse, they scored three goals, Parker. They lost 5-3, to three, pretty ugly affair uh, earlier in the season, so a little bit of a different time in terms of the way that one set up. But here, a pretty dominating down-the-stretch second-half performance here to close out that 14-10 win like you talked about with a 10-2 run, just showing that they are better than this Syracuse team. Um is, is a clear step in the right direction for a pretty similar Syracuse team to last year, a pretty similar Northwestern team to last year, just a year grown up. And that's what really started to show me signs of that this team can show, can really be a significantly improved version of what last year's team was, which was falling short in a couple of close losses. I mean, Sheila, Sheila Nesselbush, obviously the star here with five goals, uh, just kind of coming into her own. Had, had a good game against Michigan, too. I think she had three goals in that one uh, as well, and just kind of, you know, creating offense... Um, especially in that in that ten to two run, I think she had four of her five in the ten to two run. So she was phenomenal, um, and that's the kind of senior upperclassman leadership that Northwestern kind of needs this year, and and started and started to get with that Syracuse win. So you like to see that. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions that we had coming into the season was, you know, is it going to be a one sided affair on offense for Northwestern, or can they kind of spread out some of the production? And it's been good to see this season that they've been able to do that. I mean, obviously you talked about Nesselbush. She had a really big game, five goals. Selena Lasota is just good at lacrosse. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> for that one with a hat trick in that game. But it's good to see a lot of players not necessarily name those two getting in on the action. Megan Kinna getting a goal. Holly Korn with two of her own. Jill Girardi, Jill, yeah, Jill Girardi Taylor Pinzone with goals apiece. So not only are we getting production out of our seniors on offense, a lot of the younger players are getting involved on offense as well. So that's a really good sign if you're Kelly Monty-Hiller. Yeah, one thing you love to see, and I mean, both is something you touched on, you got seven players from Northwestern who are averaging, or eight players, pardon me, who are averaging at least a point per game right now. And that's just in terms of in terms of spread out offense. That's just something you really like to see. The ball's really moving and not necessarily sticking with a Selena Lasota, even though she is the main goal scorer, obviously, with 30 goals on the season. It's not just sticking with her. She's able to get it around to some of her less obviously goal-scoring potential teammates and know that they're going to make plays for her uh, and for the team, and that's something that, that, that showed up in the Syracuse game as well. Yeah, and it was definitely good um, to see Nestlebush's performance. She's been very good across this four-game win streak. Obviously, we haven't get, gotten to the other two games, but in these four games total, she scored 12 goals, and she led the team in three out of these four games. So she's definitely asserting herself as an offensive threat. Question I have for you guys about this game as well, though, is that yes, Northwestern played very well, beat the number eleven team in the country. Very good win for Northwestern. Syracuse is, I believe, number seven in the RPI right now, so that's a very good win. Um, that being said, Northwestern one place they really struggled in this game was in turnovers. They had eleven in the first half, 
a lot of which contributed to them being down early in this game. Finished the game with 18. They're averaging over 16 turnovers a game, which is 51st in the NCAA. And for those who don't know, there's only 116 teams that play women's college lacrosse. So at North, Northwestern right in the middle of the pack there, whereas they are in the top 20, top 10 in most other statistical categories. Is this a concern for you guys going forward? Um, one thing that's good about it, this is partially at least, Parker, is that Northwestern has 100, 194 turnovers so far, like you talked about. That is that is too many uh, in a 12-game span. But opponents have 206, so it's not like they're 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 uh, having these turnovers and then not causing any on the opponent side. Now, some of that is luck. A lot of those turnovers came in games against bad teams uh, to start the season, like Canisius and, and Detroit Mercy. But that that has at least kept up pretty much. Uh, throughout the rest of the season uh, in terms of Northwestern is committing a lot of turnovers, which is something you'd like to see definitely decline. But it is at least being partially offset so that it's not such a weakness by forcing opponents to commit an inordinate amount of turnovers for them as well during games. So that's that's at least good. But, yeah, you need to take care of the ball a little bit better. You know, there's something to be said for offense, but and, and, and going forward and not being so careful with the ball to try to get uh, better opportunities and slash into the fan more, but... At some point, a lot of these turnovers are just kind of careless things, just missing with easy passes, uh, and that definitely needs to be cleaned up. All I'll say is don't sleep on the Griffs, all right? They're a good team over there at Canisius. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, you're right. You definitely got to clean it up, especially going into, you know, more Big Ten games now, a little bit more of higher-stakes games, Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament, you know, where this team is really looking down the road. You got to be able to take care of the ball on offense, and especially in that transition game, going from defense to offense, you got to be able to get cleanly into your offense. So Northwestern, I mean, it's definitely a point that makes me a little bit worried, but, you know, is it, I think, going to derail this team's season? No, because, you know, they have enough goal scorers on the offensive end. They are solid enough on the defensive end that they can make up for it, but definitely going to be a point of emphasis for Coach Amonte Hiller going into the next couple weeks, next couple of games with conference play starting to really heat up. Absolutely. Now let's move on to the next game. They beat number 23, Johns Hopkins, on the road, 11-10. Uh, it was a pretty back-and-forth game, but Northwestern did close on a 4-0 run, led by some great goalkeeping from Julie Krupnik, and a game-winning goal, again here from Sheila Nesselbush, um, with 2 minutes and 22 seconds left in this game. They took it all the way down to the wire, but again, improving to 2-0 here in Big Ten play, getting that conference victory on the road against Johns Hopkins, what, what, what were y'all's main takeaways from this one? My, my number one takeaway here is this this kind of showed what Julie Krupnik can fully do even in this season as as her first season starting. We knew that she was a good goalkeeper. We've seen it this whole year. But we hadn't seen necessarily as much yet was the saves in the clutch. And what she did in this game, uh, more than I think in any other one so far this season, uh, was make the saves down the stretch that Northwestern needed. You talk about that 4-0 run. That 4-0 run was over a long period. I don't exactly remember how long, but I think almost it was... Almost 15 minutes, It was almost yeah. 15 minutes that 4-0 run half was. Of the second and that's half. defense, and that's goalkeeping. I think she made at least two or three saves over that 10 to 15 minutes. The defense, of course, held strong, which was huge. But it was, more than more than ever, it was Julie Krupnik coming up big in the cage when her team needed her the most, not just in the start of games when there's not necessarily quite as much pressure on the goalkeeper. And that was something you love to see from a redshirt freshman who hasn't had as much experience in those high-stakes college games. I mean, this is your second Big Ten uh, contest. If you lose this one, it's going to be really tough to come back and challenge Maryland for a regular season uh, title or, or Penn, Penn State's going to be in that mix as well, we think. But th this is a key one to win if you want to be in the Big Ten title picture. And Krupnik came up big all the way through. So that was huge. That was great to see. Yeah, yeah. Krupnik, Krupnik made a big difference. This was something I uh, mentioned as, as a guest on this show earlier, is that 
it, it makes a big difference when you have that level of goalkeeping in the back for the rest of the team. And I know that uh, from my experience playing in soccer is that, you know, when your team believes in you from the back, it gives them more freedom going forward. And especially at the end of the game, when Northwestern was trying to come back, again, down three goals in that game, 10-7, to seven, they needed that freedom offensively to go be able to score the goals. Northwestern is not the most creative team. Exactly. They're known as not this reckless offensive team, but when you have a good, like you talked about, when you have a good goalie in the back, we've seen it with Northwestern. They haven't gone as deep in the shot clock this year as is their reputation for, you know, running out as long as you possibly can and waiting until the last second or just waiting to get a shot off, <laughs> even when you're down. This is this has been the reputation of this Northwestern team under Kelly Amante Hiller for better, uh, for better or for worse. But this season, it has seemed like they're moving a little bit faster. And I think, like you said, part of it has to be because of Krupnik. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you guys talked about them not being like a overly creative offensive team. They kind of just grind games out and win just kind of off of talent and defense. But, um, you know, the one thing this team has always done really well is kind of the details, the finer details of the game. Draw control has been one thing that Coach uh, Kelly Monty Hiller has really emphasized throughout her time at Northwestern. And that's really shown throughout the years they're consistently one of the best uh, one of the best schools slash programs in the country for draw controls. Right now they're leading, their ratio is 176 to 125. I'm not going to even try and work out the math on that one, but obviously they're winning possessions on a lot of different ones. They're also winning uh, a lot of ground balls this year, 272 to 224. Uh, Julie Krupnik, as we mentioned uh, earlier, tied for the team leading ground balls. So I know she's a goalkeeper, but you know she's getting in on everything. Uh, during the games as well. Still impressive. About yeah. 1.4 to 1 in terms yeah, of draw control. So, I, think I mean, Northwestern is yeah. getting pretty much three draw controls for every two for the other team. Yeah, it's that's just it's just above, you know, that's just above 7 out of 12. That's around 60%. That's, that's you know, that's a pretty crazy amount. When you like think 6 of, out of 10. Yeah, when you yeah. think about it, when you think about it... <laughs> When you think about a draw control, you know, when you, when you just literally think about what happens, like, it's such a toss-up in-game with the ball just going between literally. two sticks. It's literally a toss-up. It doesn't seem possible that one team could consistently bear out that kind of success over this many games. But this is something, you, like you talked about, Bo, that Northwestern has focused on over the years, and it's clear that this is something that they're doing actively. It's not luck. 60% is not luck over 12 games. This is clearly a skill that Northwestern has developed, and it was on display even more so than in these closer games, but I mean, you like to see it in these close games, and that number took a hit against Penn, I will say, because they, they had uncharacteristic struggles from the circle uh, in that one, but even more so than these close games, it shows what kind of the level that Northwestern's program is at against a younger program like Michigan, even with a Northwestern disciple as coach over there. Northwestern dominated draw controls in that game. I believe the final tally was 16 to 7 in, in, in draw controls as well as in goals scored. Uh, something close to that where Northwestern just clearly dominated the circle. And that just shows how defined this program is and how much success that it's had, even when it's not necessarily having the best year. And it seems like we could be having one of the best years right now. So. Well, you say, you say program, but we mean specifically... Shelby Fredericks. Fantastic yeah, Shelby Fredericks. Shelby Fredericks. Yeah. Worth, worth saying her name. Yeah, you got it. I mean, you can't talk about draw control right now without bringing up Shelby, Shelby Fredericks. I mean, that's, you know, that's all I talk about when I'm out and, you know, at parties and stuff. It's, it's <laughs> I talk about draw control. And no, I mean, Shelby Fredericks, you got to give her the credit where the credit's due. She's one of the best in the nation at doing it 65 on the year. And, you know, she's become that go to player for um, Kelly Monte Hiller when she needs a big draw winch, when she needs. Uh, Northwestern to come up with the possession, they'll go to Fredericks, and time after time, she's been able to come up in those big situations. Absolutely crucial for Northwestern, and probably one of the integral parts of their success 
throughout the years, but also this season as well. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I broadcasted the game against North Carolina, and North Carolina threw in, I think, four different players trying to win draws from Shelby Fredericks, and they ended up doing a little better in the second half when they went back to their main draw control winner. But, I mean, they threw in a player who was six foot to try to get the size advantage. They threw in a player who was five foot to try to get the speed advantage, and nothing is working against Shelby Fredericks. I think that just proves um, her, her, her brilliance there in the draw circle. So Northwestern did get away with the victory there again. Game-winning goal from Sheila Nesselbush takes them past Johns Hopkins. And then Northwestern had another tough away game, this time with a top-10 opponent in number 6 Penn. They win 12-11 in double overtime. Another great performance by Krupnik, who had 12 saves in this game. Selena Lasota got back on track after scoring zero goals against John Hopkins, five goals here against Penn. She was really the star offensively. This was probably Northwestern's best win of the season. Yeah, I think it was definitely Northwestern's best win of the season. If you look at the numbers, Penn is the best team that they have faced, uh, that they have beaten so far this season. I shouldn't say face North Carolina and Stony Brook uh, definitely have earned that as the two best teams that Northwestern has faced. But yeah, the Penn win gave gave me hope that they can compete with a Maryland in conference. That it's not just going to be uh, domination from Maryland when when those two teams meet at the end of the season here. And what it was was kind of the reverse of the Johns Hopkins game. I talked about that clutch goalkeeping of Krupnik there. And I'm not going to say she was bad down the stretch here by any means. It was more the offense, certainly, that went on the drought. No goals in the last 14 and a half minutes of the game. But Northwestern was able to hold on despite Penn, you know, coming back furiously, tying it up, sending to overtime. And the mental fortitude to turn it around in that overtime after, you know, you, you suffered a 5-0 run. You know, like in lacrosse, that, that's really meaningful in terms of just you're getting beaten again and again and again. And you just can't seem to see the ball going in the back of the net. So turning it around at that point against a really talented team, this is not just some random team that you're beating. This is a top 10 team. They've been a top 10 team the whole year. That means a lot there to really, to be able to turn it around uh, in in the second overtime. And what it really speaks to to me is the the veteran leadership behind this Northwestern team. You know, they, they have, they start uh, what, four seniors, uh, Selena Lasota, even though she's a junior, she, she has the veteran leadership out there as well. This is a, this is a, this is an older, wiser team and they're able to the fact that they're able to bounce back after a run like that to win uh, a critical game like this really really shows you something about this team. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is an older team, and you're getting a lot of you know playing time from your older players, but it's been good to see a lot of the younger players step up into their roles. Um, Jill Girardi has been one that comes to mind. Taylor Pinzone has been getting a lot of looks as well, so good to see a lot of those younger players getting looks. And, you know, in that Penguin, obviously... Northwestern being carried by Lasota, you know, five goals, one assist on the day for her. Really, really good performance. But I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from this game was that it was on the road. That's absolutely crucial that Northwestern's able to go on the road to some of these bigger powerhouse programs. Not that the Northwestern's not a powerhouse program, but the fact, I think it's just kind of a mental thing that, you know, they, they're going into these road trips thinking, hey, we, re- we got a real shot here, you know, to compete with these teams. It's not just going to be a rollover game. You know, that's a real big thing going into the Big Ten tournament, going into the NCAA where you're not playing at Lakeside Field. You're going to have to go and play with the bigger programs uh, on the road, not, in, not on your home turf. And, you know, they showed that against Penn, and I think that's a real big mental uh, blockade for a lot of teams. But good to see them get that one out of the way early. Yeah, Kelly Amonte Hiller in her postgame interview specifically mentioned how huge it was for Northwestern mentally being able to not only hold off a comeback, but do that on the road against the top team. And she said that she thinks that that is the biggest jump that this team has made, is in that mental fortitude 
and in just a different mentality, perhaps, than they had last season. And she thinks that that is the most important thing when it comes down to it on the field. She knows she has talent in this program. Northwestern always has. And when they've struggled, she thinks that perhaps some of that has been a, a lack of that, that killer mentality or that, that mental fortitude when you go down in a game or endure a run. Do you guys agree with that? Do you think that with North level, Northwestern's level of talent, which is very good, top tier, but perhaps just a step lower than the Maryland's, the North Carolina's, you know, the Stony Brook's, do you think the Northwestern can make a deep run if the mentality is right, given the talent that they have? I think so, and that's, again, something that we've seen as a change from last year. You know, last year it was a loss to a Penn team, a very similar Penn team, a 10-7 loss, uh, but but that one was at home, and they still and they still dropped that game. And even though they finished the season pretty strong after that with a loss to just Penn State and Maryland, I think that did a little bit set the tone for postseason. They ended up falling to a Stony Brook team that wasn't quite as good uh, last year in the NCAA tournament. And I do think that, you know, with the talent that Northwestern has on offense, it's not overwhelming, but you have you have the established goal, score scorers, goal scorers pardon me, in Lesota and Nestlebush. You have... Um, you have all sorts of midfielders. You have the speedy, the speedy youngsters. You talked about it in terms of Pinzone and 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 a lot of other freshmen. They have all the pieces there offensively to have enough to, to outscore teams, and they certainly have enough pieces defensively to hold teams off. We've seen both of those aspects just over this last week in this four-game winning streak. So I think putting it together and and, and winning, if you win the majority of close games, I mean that's. That's that's the next step that they need to take. We've seen that they can compete with top ten teams. They're just a couple goals away early in the season from really competing with Stony Brook. They just fell off at the end of that game. From really competing with UNC, they just fell off at the end of that game. Yep. If they can turn that around, they only have one shot at a marquee team, at a real marquee team this year. The rest of the season, it's Maryland. That's their one marquee team left in the regular season. If they can show that they've improved by 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 hanging tough, even if it's not a win, hanging tough all the way to the wire with a good Maryland team in College Park, uh, I think that shows to me a lot of maturity and a real chance to 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 go to make a run in both the Big Ten and the NCAA tournaments. Yeah, definitely would say so. And you know, being able to get that first win on the road absolutely crucial. But you know, I think we've seen time and time again, and you know, not just in lacrosse but across all sports, you know, the hottest team at the end of the year is often the one that can make that run deep in the tournament. We saw it with Michigan uh, this year in the NCAA basketball. Last year, Stony Brook was a good example of that. They got hot at the end of the year and made a run in that NCAA tournament. So I definitely think that this was kind of a, a big mental step for this team. And you know, looking at the rest of their schedule um, that they have yet to play, Ohio State, very all of them seem to me very winnable games. I think even Maryland, they are, this team is very ca- capable of competing with the Terrapins. Penn State's not going to be a walk in the park uh, on the road, but again, another winnable game, Notre Dame, I think, this team at home should be able to win that game, and you know Rutgers, it, it's Rutgers. So I mean, <laughs> but yeah, Rutgers. like you said, I mean, this Penn State, this Notre Dame team, those are that's at number twenty, and the those number twenty-one games. teams. That's a good game to test this team, like you were saying. Those are good games, but again, I think given the level of talent and you know coaching in the program, all those are winnable games. None of these, like even Stony Brook, I called that game, and there was a sense, you know, going into that that. Hey, this is going to be tough, but they have a chance. And I mean, fifteen to ten on on paper doesn't look as tight as that game actually was. So I really think this team is capable of competing with almost any program in this country on a given day. Uh, really important for them to remember that while they're out there, because sometimes you can get lost in that. You can get lost behind rankings and stuff like that. But looking looking forward, 
all those look like winnable games. Cats really have a chance to you know catch some fire going into the Big Ten uh, tournament and then carry that over into the NCAA. And as Coach Amani Hiller said, if they do have that right mentality, that will go a long way in them being able to do that as well. Um, we've been talking about the four-game win streak. Obviously, that was very important. But let's zoom out a bit here before we end up the show and talk a little bit more about Northwestern's season big picture. They're sitting at 9-3 and three right now. And let's look at those three losses. We've talked about them a little bit. Obviously, Stony Brook, UNC, those are not bad losses by any stretch of the imagination. That's the number one and the number five team right now um, in, in the country. So those losses you can't be mad at. The one that still, I think, puzzles some is that Duke game. What, I mean, what, what can you guys say about that? Obviously, this was before Shelby um, Fredericks came back. So that was something that Northwestern was definitely missing in that game. Yes, it was on the road. But this one still feels a little unexplainable. Yeah, and this is... Oh, sorry, Bo. Uh, but this I'm going to make a little bit of a, a, a kind of stretch of a comparison here to football. This year, we saw an early loss to Duke that was that seemed a little bit unexplainable. Or well, more unexplainable than a lacrosse loss, that's they've for sure. Got, they've yeah. got our number down in Durham. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they've Women's got soccer, la- uh, yeah. not this past season, but the year before as yeah, well, but, in Durham. Ooh. But it was kind of similar to the football. It is kind of similar to the football for me in that... Northwestern football recovered from that and went on a run through the Big Ten and finished the season strong. And that's what we've seen with this four-game win streak. Look, that Duke performance, they just did not play very well. Fredericks wasn't wasn't in the game, like you said, and that was key. With her there, I think they would have won. But regardless, that's a team that Northwestern should beat with their talent level, and they weren't able to. Now, Duke is a good team, but I'm not going to take anything away from them. Number 16 in the country, that's a solid lacrosse team. It's a team Northwestern should beat. I think you can say a little bit that it's early in the season and that Northwestern has clearly shown improvement afterwards, and that's key to me, I think. Yeah, I mean, at the, de- at the end of the day, is it a great loss? No, but it is a ranked loss. It's a ranked so loss. I don't know how much you know you can fret over it. It's not like they came out, lost to like Detroit Mercy in a shocker. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I don't think you can stress too much over that. You know, would they have liked to take that game on the road? Yes, but... You know, you can't win them all, and I think there could have been worse losses on this Definitely. season. I think they've won every single game they are, they have been supposed to. Could you argue argue that they should have won the Duke game? Yes, but at the end of the day, you're still sitting 9-3, 2-0 in conference with five games left on your slate and four of them extremely winnable. Maryland, it's going to be tough, but I think they can win that game. So, you know, I at the end of the day, this team's going to go deep in the Big Ten tournament. We see it every year. And I think they have a chance, if they get if they can catch some fire, to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And like, and you, heard, you heard it here first. And yeah. <laughs> and to add on to what you were saying there, Bill, I think it's more important to win these each of these three most recent games than losing that Duke game was. I think each of these three most recent wins tells us more about this team than that Duke loss does. And that's why it's been so key that they've... That they've been able to win these close Definitely games. a recency bias, especially when it comes to ranking teams. I mean, you know, had that Duke loss been two weekends ago, probably we would be saying, you know, different stuff about it, but, you know, Fredericks was out, it was early, it was dark out, all that, you know, kind of stuff, so. It was cold, man, that was, that was way, that was way up early and at the chilly. start of March, it was, it was really cold. There was a snowstorm, as I can, as I can tell you, uh, I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm from North Carolina and all my friends, uh, first week of March, they were on spring break and it was snowing, so, yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it was bad weather down there as well. Um, but all in all, I think we can agree that, that three losses um, that you wouldn't really call bad losses exactly. for Northwestern, yeah. but definitely um, not, not losses to have any shame about. Um, let's talk about the Big Ten a little bit as well. Northwestern, as you mentioned, Bo, 2-0 to start Big Ten play. They've got the win against John Hopkins. 
and they've got the win against Michigan. Um, the Big Ten definitely looking very top-heavy and pretty suspect beyond that so far. If we're looking at the Big Ten rankings, uh, Penn State currently is at the top. They're 3-0 and in conference, having beaten Johns Hopkins, Rutgers, and Ohio State, who combined have one win in the Big Ten. Um, and then Maryland 2-0, Northwestern 2-0, and then there's definitely a second tier that starts below that with Ohio State, Michigan, Rutgers, and Johns Hopkins, who is 0-3 so far. It seems like it'll probably come down to Northwestern and Maryland, although obviously Penn State has gotten off to a good start. Can Northwestern win the Big Ten? And perhaps because we know they are a good team, it could. Will they win the Big Ten? Make a statement here, guys. Um, I'm going to say one thing. I don't I don't think Penn State is very good. You talked about how it's going to be. You think it's going to be Northwestern Maryland. I don't want to take anything away from Penn State here, Parker, but the three teams they've beaten, Rutgers, Ohio State, Johns Hopkins, that's three of those lower-tier teams like you're talking about. Penn State has some bad losses this year, guys. They've lost to Loyola, and they've lost to James Madison, and they've lost to Princeton. And, you know, their Towson loss, which is their fourth loss on the year, is not a very bad loss. That's a that's a top-10 team. But this is a Penn State team that hasn't played anybody. The best team they've beaten is Johns Hopkins. They got a one-goal win against them. They haven't beaten any other team that even has a vote in the in in the inside lacrosse poll. So this Penn State team has not tested themselves against tougher competition the way that Northwestern and Maryland have. So I think it is going to come down to those two teams. Do I think Northwestern will win the Big Ten regular season? No, I don't think so. Unfortunately, I really love this Northwestern team. I just think Maryland has a ton of talent, and it's it's just unfortunately bad luck for Northwestern that they're going to have to play them at Maryland um, in their house. So I think it's going to be Northwestern's going to be five and one in Big Ten play. Maryland's going to be six and zero. Those are the two best teams, but I think Maryland beats us head to head in College Park. I would love to be proven wrong. But it's just a tough environment to go into and win against the top five team in the country. Yeah, definitely gonna be tough for that uh, that Maryland game being on the road. But yeah, Penn State, I think they will fall off um, in conference. They have to play us at home and then Maryland on the road. So if you can emerge from those two games victorious, then you know you deserve to win the Big Ten. If you beat both those teams, you should beat Michigan in your uh, series finale or season finale. Um, this is a Penn State team that also has to play at Stony Brook. Yeah, not that that's conference, but still, that's just a big it, yeah. mental um, mountain to climb. So, you know, it's going to come down. I really think, like Parker said, to Maryland and Northwestern. And uh, I'm, I'll, all right, I'll sit on a hot take. I think I, I think we go into College Park and roll a little bit. I think we're I, I think we take one against Maryland regular season. I like it. I like it, Bo. Well, I mean, it was it was where uh, Northwestern. I'm going to say thirteen to eleven, and, and Northwestern lost there in the Big Ten tournament final last year. Um, had to go there, tough draw, obviously, playing the number one team there as Maryland was hosting um, and and fell that game and then lost to Stony Brook in the tournament. Quickly, Noah, to, to uh, revise your point a little bit, Towson is actually ranked lower than both Loyola and James Madison uh, at the moment. They're Ooh. all top ten teams. Though. So okay. Perhaps okay. not Medilla. the worst losses. Not the worst losses for Penn State. Medilla. Uh, Princeton, yeah, on Medilla the other hand, Princeton uh, not not in the top twenty at all in the inside of the cross bowl. So <laughs> it's, it's three of those losses were fine. What what uh, what multiple of ten is Princeton inside? Like top fifty. It's a great question. They only, they only the poll, pull top twenty. The, yeah. and the RPI is not is updated. There, it hasn't been. Up, they haven't updated on the official NCAA website since twenty seventeen. So and yes. that's the only. That's the is only there, way that, that everybody Ken, gets ranked. Is there Ken Palm for women's lacrosse? Uh, hey, that's I, something you can create. Bo. There Start it is. Up. There there are a Boom. lot of different ranking systems. I need to do a deeper dive in there as I continue hosting the show. Frankly, I don't have that information yet, sadly. Um, but I like it. Bo saying Northwestern. 
will knock off Maryland, perhaps win the Big Ten. If I believe in that. this. I believe in this team. They're older this year. You know, you get back Lasodi, you get back a lot of those big pieces, and you know that pen that pen win, if anything, shows that this team can can compete with a with a top ten, top five team on the road. So. You know, I, I'll, I'll call the upset there. I won I won my March Madness bracket. I'm feeling pretty good on, <laughs> on some underdogs right now. So I like it. I like it. Last thing we'll talk about briefly, as we were just talking about the polls um, and Northwestern's kind of season overall, they've beaten three ranked teams in a row. The newest inside lacrosse poll, which came out two days ago, has Northwestern at number nine. Should they be higher, guys? I think number nine is about right. Uh, you know, they beat three ranked teams in a row. That's good to see. Johns Hopkins uh, is not going to be ranked. I don't think they are ranked anymore, so that that's no longer, uh, I don't think, a ranked win because they've lost now all three of their Big Ten games. Still a good win, obviously. Look, Johns Hopkins is still a solid team. But uh, I think once they, if they take care of business against Ohio State and Notre Dame, now we're not sure if those games are going to get played. We're going to talk about this, the, the inclement weather coming this weekend. We're not sure what's going to happen exactly with those games. But Ohio State is a team that the Northwestern should by all Intensive purposes beat just like Michigan. Notre Dame is a little bit more of a, uh, a, a, a of a solid team with a solid resume. That might be a little bit of a tougher game. But you take care of business against those two teams at home. All of a sudden, maybe you're climbing a couple more spots. Uh, so I think nine is about right for right now. But let's see what happens after after this weekend. I'm gonna take issue with the nine. Uh, I don't think Towson should be above us. Um, just given you know conference difficulty. You know, I know they have some good wins. You know, on the road at Florida, but you know. A, a loss to Lloyd. I, I don't know. I don't like how that Towson is above us. That's basically what that comes down to. <laughs> Perhaps big conference. <laughs> they might deserve it a little bit for both. They might deserve it, but I just don't like that Towson is above us. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Those darn mid majors. Exactly. Those darn yeah. mid majors. We're yeah. in the Big Ten. Give us a better ranking now. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the only other team we uh, Northwestern is the second highest ranked team that does have three losses. Florida's the only team ahead of Northwestern, and they're one spot ahead at number eight. So if you're looking at record, perhaps um, they do see Northwestern as one of the best nine and three teams, or sorry, three lost teams, I should say. Um, so, you know, maybe they're right where they need to be. I'm not sure. Um, we don't really have a lot to talk about about the previews. We do like to preview games on this show. Would you guys like to preview Ohio State briefly well, for, for, for a for, game that may not be played? For Ohio State that we were supposed to call and then it got moved to when we have well, class. And then we'll see. We'll see. It, they no, might move yeah. it back, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. That, that, yeah that's sure. Let's, ah, let's do it. Let's do it. Alright, let's talk a little bit about Ohio State then. I don't know much. Educate us. Educate me. Educate uh, the listeners. <laughs> I don't much know much either. Yeah, well, here's here's what I know. I know that <laughs> Ohio State is not very good because they did, in fact, lose to Michigan. Uh, that was their uh, that was their their Big Ten opener, uh, and and also Michigan's Big Ten opener right before they played Northwestern. So they they struggled there. This is a team that um, is five and six overall. Now they haven't. I don't think they've beaten any real like. Phenomenal teams in terms of that five, but you know five and six is something. They beat Detroit Mercy, so that's a, that's a win that Northwestern shares. They beat them twenty to five, <laughs> and they also opponents. lost to Jacksonville in overtime. Yikes. Cincinnati right. by five, Massachusetts also in overtime, Michigan, uh, Penn State by eight. So yeah, I would say that this Ohio State team is not somebody that Northwestern should be overly worried with. Uh, of course, you have to take every opponent. You can't you can't take any opponent lightly. Uh, in a college sport, but I don't think they're very good. So um, yeah, let's see. Um, all right. Well, for for, Ohio State, for comparison here, that Jacksonville team that Ohio State lost to by five, Notre Dame beat them by eleven at Jacksonville. 
So All right, well, stats are for losers, so naturally I'm <laughs> going to bring up some stats. Um, Ohio State, the one thing they're really good at that I'm looking at is free possession, or free position, uh, both ends of the field. They're right now at shooting 5'11 on the season, so like over half of the time they're making free position shots. So just be you know aware that Krupnik's going to have to stand up on those uh, situations. And then they're only allowing 38% uh, in on the other end, so they're good on free positions. Again, are they going to be able to draw the fouls in the shooting spaces to get those free position shots? That's probably another story, but uh, one thing to watch for in that Ohio State uh, game on Friday, allegedly. That would, I mean, I guess that would be the formula to success for them, perhaps, is winning some free position shots, being able to score off those, and, and staying in the game. Put them on the arc. Similar to how um, to how Northwestern did against North Carolina. Um, so maybe that's the, the recipe for Ohio State, but definitely a win that Northwestern should be getting. Yeah, Notre Dame, I think, is uh, if, if, if you don't mind, Parker, I'll talk a little about Absolutely. them. I think they're the, the more interesting uh, team to preview. I'm not saying Ohio State is inherently uninteresting, Buckeyes, but I, I do think this Notre Dame team is very interesting because they've had some different kind of results. This is a, this is a six-loss team, but literally every loss is to a ranked team. So they have six losses, but all to top 20 teams. So there is something to be said for that. Um um, they they lost only by one to North Carolina, which is obviously a very good one-goal loss at uh, Chapel Hill. But they also lost to Virginia by seven, High Point by six, Virginia Tech by three, USC by three. Those are all kind of mid-tier 10 to 20 uh, teams in the polls. So it's kind of, you don't really know what you're going to get from this Notre Dame team. We know that they tested themselves against tough competition, and they have, and they're kind of a, a, a young team uh, The their leading goal scorer is a freshman named Maddie Howe. She has 26 goals and 11 assists on the season. They also have a, they also have a freshman with 20. Their second leading scorer is also a freshman with 21 goals and 11 assists. That's Andy Aldave. I'm apologies if I'm mispronouncing your name, Andy. Um, and then they have another freshman from Winnetka who went to New Trier right around here who has 15 goals. So this is a this is a young a young team that's kind of seemingly been inconsistent. So that could really be challenging for Northwestern in terms of they show that they have that high that that peak of challenging really giving North Carolina a top five team a legit top five team a test uh so if they come on and play their best it's going to be a real challenge for Northwestern to get past them definitely uh the more competitive game as it Seemingly. looks on paper yeah. of the two that game would be on Sunday at the moment will be on Sunday at noon um I would be on the broadcast for that one um, I'm trying to remember who I am doing that game with, and it does not come to mind. Might be doing oh, it in Jack the... Lido. Jack, Jack Lido will be on that right. broadcast as well. Might be doing it in the um, snow. That'd be fun. We may very well be doing it in the snow. It's uh, not the greatest weather this week in Evanston. A cruel April Fool's joke played on all of us, but Northwestern springing into life with a fantastic four-game <laughs> win streak, having a great spring break, and they are riding the wave right now as they head into the weekend against both Notre Dame and Ohio State. That's all we have this week for Cat's Cradle, your Northwestern lacrosse podcast. It's been a joy. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Go Cats!